Hello, hello, y'all. Hey, it's me, Robin. And before we get into today's episode, I'm here to let you know that the club is open right now for new members. I'm going to take a couple minutes to fill you in on all that the club is offering right now. So if you know for sure you're not interested in joining the club, you're just going to want to hit the forward button a few times until you hear that baffling behavior show jingle. Okay, so the club is a virtual community for families of kids with vulnerable nervous systems and big baffling behaviors. Many families in the club are parenting kids with a history of complex trauma, but definitely not all. Some are parenting kids with vulnerabilities that emerge from their neurotype or their sensory system or their giftedness or their neuroimmune disorder. And of course, some have no idea why their child's nervous system is so vulnerable. The primary purpose of the club and why I've created it the way that I have is connection and co-regulation. Because when I reflect back on my time as a therapist, it wasn't the skills and strategies and tools and techniques I taught parents that mattered the most. What mattered most was how connection and co-regulation strengthened their owl brain so that they could stay more regulated in the face of the chaos in their home. Then they could, number one, actually use the tools, and number two, start to feel a little bit better even before the tools started to work. The club can be accessed online both through your browser on your computer and through an app. And it's open, of course, 24-7. There's a very active forum, a huge video library, and multiple live events every month. Sometimes I teach a masterclass on a specific topic. Sometimes we come together for group coaching or just to ask questions and pick, pick my brain. We have two sessions every month called Connect and Co-Regulates, and those are designed to offer exactly that. There's no teaching, no coaching, just a place for you to be seen and heard by people who get it. Currently, we are also offering once a month bonus sessions for siblings of dysregulated kids. The club is intended to be kind of like a buffet. There is a ton in it, not because you're supposed to do everything in the club. You take what you need when you need it and come back when you're ready for more. If you could use a little extra support, consider joining us. You can read all about all the details over at robingobel.com slash the club. I'll put a link in the show notes And we're open today until the end of the day, Friday, May 3rd. All right, y'all, here's that episode you're waiting for. I have been eagerly anticipating sharing this conversation with Bethany Saltman with you, author of Strange Situation, A Mother's Journey into the Science of Attachment. And I've been waiting for this for just so many reasons. First, I just loved her book. I read it in record time. I mean, like I actually carried her book around with me until I was done with it, sneaking in a few words whenever I could. Bethany isn't a psychologist or even in the mental health field. And watching her dive so deeply into the science of attachment was just fascinating. In today's episode, she makes the statement that in order for us to see our children, we have to see. That statement just really stuck with me. I'm Robin Goebel, and welcome to the Parenting After Trauma podcast, where I take the science of being relationally, socially, and behaviorally human and translate that for parents of kids who've experienced trauma. I'm a psychotherapist with over 15 years of experience working with kids who have experienced trauma and their families. I'm also a self-diagnosed brain geek and relationship freak. I study the brain kind of obsessively and even teach the science of interpersonal neurobiology in a certificate program. I started this podcast 33 episodes ago. Well, I guess it's actually been something like 36 because of the few bonus episodes that I've released here and there. But I started this podcast to get you free, accessible support as fast as possible. So 
This podcast is not fancy and I do very little editing. In fact, sometimes you'll be hearing a cockadoodle do in the background. If you love this episode, add Parenting After Trauma to your favorite podcast player and share it with your friends and colleagues. Be sure to head over to robingobel.com to discover all the free resources I have for you, including a free 45-minute masterclass on the three questions we should be asking ourselves when facing challenging behavior in our kids. You can snag this masterclass at robingobel.com slash masterclass. While you're on my website, poke around and discover all the other free resources available. And then, of course, be sure to check out The Club, a virtual community of connection, co-regulation, and, of course, a little education for parents of kids impacted by trauma and the professionals who support them. A member of the club who also works with adoptive families recently wrote to me and said, I've been working with families adopting kids with trauma for almost 10 years now. And the club is the best thing I've seen in this community to give families access to the practical tools they need to parent their children, but even more importantly, to make them feel seen, loved, and supported by a community that truly understands their challenges and struggles. What you are building is nothing short of amazing. So that was just about the best like review and testimonial of the club. I could even imagine getting and hits all of the things that I've been trying to do in the club. The club opens for new members approximately every three months. So snag a spot on that waiting list and you'll be the first to know when it opens. All right, now on with today's episode. Bethany Saltman is a professional researcher, writer, and longtime Zen student who got obsessed with understanding attachment theory when her daughter was born about 15 years ago. Something that I thought was so fun when reading her book is that our kids are almost exactly the same age. I mean, I can like literally picture myself in her same situation on what could have even been the exact same days. She writes about reading Dr. Sears' The Baby Book and looking for that checklist of how do I do this parenting thing right? And I have such clear memories of doing those exact same things. And also, just like Bethany, finally discovering there is no checklist. Meeting, knowing, and interviewing an author of a book you love is a special kind of treat. And I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Here we go. Bethany, it's just wonderful to be with you here today. Thank you for agreeing and for taking this time out of your afternoon to meet with me and to introduce you to my audience. I'm really excited about that part for them to get to know you a little bit. So thank you. Pleasure. My pleasure. I'm so excited to be with you. Yeah, this will be fun. This will be fun in a little bit different way than we normally connect. So So I, you know, as I was, my podcast is not that old and I'm still in, you know, this process of, of having guests and interviewing guests. And you were really one of the people kind of on my list. So I want to see if Bethany will come on, you know, pretty soon. I just was so in love with your book when I read it and I read your book before you and I ever met. Um, but I love, so I love memoirs. I love memoirs. And then of course I love attachment theory. So to read about this book that like blended the two was an obvious no brainer to me. I had to start reading it, but what I didn't know I was getting into was a book written by somebody who I, I like, I just felt like I, I resonated so much and I could see myself in this well, I use word that I've always used when thinking about your book was tenacity. Like you just had this thing you were interested in and you wanted to know more and you just kept going after it and going after it and going after it. And I related to that so much mm-hmm. and also just was so curious about your keen interest in attachment theory, but you're not a therapist. <laughs> or in the field like that. And so I left that part too, like just seeing the curiosity and the connection with attachment theory through the lens of somebody who wasn't a therapist. And then this deep 
like driven tenacity to do what you did, which ultimately you wrote about in your book. And so that's really, you know, why I wanted to chat with you and introduce my audience to you and just kind of hear about like Bethany, the writer, the author, the mom, the, the lover of attachment theory, who isn't a therapist. Indeed. Indeed. Yes. Well, thank you so much for all that, for the lovely compliment about the book. Um, yes. Yeah. Gosh. Um, yeah. That's me. That is someone, I'm someone who is super tenacious uh-huh. and, um, um, and I'm in love with attachment theory and um, I am not a therapist. Yeah. That's right. Like those three things are what I feel like I got from your book. So tell I mean, start wherever you want. I'm so curious to be like, well, attachment theory, why? Like, how did that even start? When did you find out about attachment theory? Why did it occur to you? You could go and get trained in the things attachment. Like, I'm curious about all that stuff, but I also want to just hear your story kind of organically. Okay, sure. So when my daughter was born, my daughter is 15. Yes. And when she was born, I was you know, soon introduced to Dr. Sears attachment parenting world. Yes. And, um, and I am allergic to gear of all kinds. And so the idea of wearing my child in a sling was incredibly appealing to me because Uh the roller thing was just like, whoa, no, no, sir. Yes. And, And, um, and, and nursing sounded great. Yes. Um, again, you know, no gear, travel light. <laughs> I felt I feel the same way about all that kind of stuff. Like it just seems so yeah. much simpler. Yeah, so much simpler. Um, and and I thought co-sleeping sounded great. And you know, I was I was down for it. And I and I was, my husband and I both read um the baby book by Dr. Mm-hmm. Sears, and it mm-hmm. seemed reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of what he said, and you know. P- part of, this was before Azalea was born and I wrote about this in an early journal, which, you know, I just love thinking about now. I wrote about how, um, Dr. Sears says that attachment parent, his, what he calls attachment parenting, which, you know, newsflash has nothing to do with the science of attachment. Right. And we'll get into that. Yes. But I didn't know that then. Um, but I read him say that attachment parenting is easy because it feeds on on the natural intuition of a mother with a baby. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, <laughs> this is going to be easy because I'm going to be naturally intuitive. Right. Well, that is not at all what happened. And, um, and so when Azalea was born, I was pretty prepared to, I mean, I wasn't like, you know, fundamentalist about it, but it seemed like all a good, it all seemed good, except for the fact that a, and I always tell my daughter this, the first thing she ever said to me was when she was about three weeks old Mm -hmm. and she communicated clear as day, I want to sleep alone. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I was like, are you kidding me? You want to sleep downstairs in a crib and while Mm -hmm. we're up here in the loft? And she said, yes, ma'am. And yeah. so we took her from our room where she wasn't sleeping well. Nobody was sleeping well. I put her, this teeny weeny baby in a crib with yeah. a, with a, a monitor and against every better judgment that I had. And she slept so much better. Yeah. And um, that was the first thing. And then I, but even before that, as soon as she came home, I realized that I wasn't falling into this natural um you know, into intuitive experience that I had Im- imagined was going to happen to me when mm-hmm. I became a mother. I thought yes. that I was going to be bathed in some maternal, um, you know, um, pleasure and I'd become a different person. I would become my yeah. ideal mother where yes. I, you know, I had never really met anybody like this, but I figured I was going to become this, you know, incredibly patient, kind, loving, uh-huh. um, hearted, um, gentle soul (laughs) that, um, I will never be. And so I loved her so, so, so much. Like I'm a very loving person, but, um, I wasn't, it wasn't coming naturally the gentle, um, patient part. I was Mm -hmm. really patient. I was frustrated. I was exhausted. And I was worried that I, that there was something wrong with me because of the whole Dr. Sears thing. 
Yes. And so, um, you know, so many things happened in those early days, much of which was, you know, me just really beating the crap out of myself because I felt like I loved her so much. I was going to hurt her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I hear, you know, mothers say this all the time to me now. And I just say, it hurts me so much to think of this insanity. Yeah. And the messages for women are very articulated and we plug right in because we have people like Dr. Sears telling us what it's supposed to feel like to be human. Right. And so all of these forces came together to make me feel like the worst mother in the world when in fact, I loved my daughter so much, Mm -hmm. I was afraid of myself. Yeah. Just twisted and it's wrong. And so, um, so, so that all was happening. Um, I was doing my best, but I was filled with shame and I did a lot of things wrong. I, you know, was impatient. I was sharp. I was struggling Mm -hmm. and I don't stand by those things. I, I, you know, I, I think it's better to not use a tone with a baby. Um, but you know, I was doing the absolute best that I could. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, And, you know, sometimes the best that we can do isn't enough and we need to find, Yes. Yes. Babies need what babies need. I wanted to pause the episode real quick and read you this testimonial from one club member. This person writes in, the club has been life-changing for me. For me, feeling alone in the stress and the overwhelm of parenting a child with complex trauma has been traumatic. Here in the club, we are finding healing for ourselves by feeling seen and heard and validated, even though we may have come here for our children's healing. Oh, y'all, that is exactly what I'm trying to do in the club to create a space that's for you that also brings healing to your kids. So the club's open for new members until April 28th. We'd love to have you. RobinGobel.com slash the club. All right, let's get back to the episode. Uh, I mean, my listeners know that something I say over and over again is both are true. Yeah. Both get to be true. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so I, uh, so I was asked, I'm a writer and I was mm-hmm. asked by a local magazine when she was six months old to write a monthly column mm-hmm. on being a Buddhist mother, because I am also a Buddhist. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this is great. So I started writing these columns called flowers fall and, um, I called it flowers fall. Um, what, what was it? Uh, field notes from an ex field notes from a Buddhist mother's experience experimental life. <laughs> and so it was me just trying to like find my way. Like how can I be this Buddhist who is just such a jerk, you know, how mm. falling into all of the um yeah. you know, the And so every month I got to reckon with this life that I had had and I started doing research every now and then. Mm-hmm for my column and and one of the things that and, and then at some point someone gave me um Dan Siegel's book mm. Inside Out. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, get that book out of this house. Like this this idea (laughs) that that the darkness inside of me is going to affect my daughter was just like way too Too much. much. Oh gosh. I mean, I want, I also like appreciate so much you saying that because I know there are other people out there who feel the exact same way. I just cannot tolerate that. And so I would prefer that that book just never even exist amen or this idea like that's just yeah right now the other side of that is you don't want that to be true because you love your baby so much exactly yes bling bling that's the part you don't notice yes so sad it's so sad so flash for you know fast forward you know 15 years dan siegel wrote the foreword to my book So I have really come to understand that in a very, very different way. Yes. Um, It is threatening, but it's okay. We can can handle it. We can do it. And, um, and we have to. Yeah. So, so I started, you know, looking into, I started 
looking a little bit into the attachment stuff, I, I realized that Dr. Sears was wrong. Um, and then I started to, re- I, ne- I started to see that there was this other attachment stuff that mm-hmm. wasn't about Dr. Sears. And I became kind of curious about that in very, very, very small doses, um, titrating this thing, you know, um, because it was very threatening and very scary. And then I discovered, I, I came upon this thing called the strange situation, mm-hmm. this, um, you know, parlor game of like, you put your kid in a laboratory setting and see what comes out. Yes. <laughs> like, what kind of parent are you? And because I was so obsessed with this question, I, I got hooked and, and, you know, sort of threw my, my threat system aside and said, okay, I really want to know about this. Yeah my desire to know about it was, was stemming from the fact that I figured I sucked mm-hmm. and I had sort of like, um, you know, morbid curiosity to find out more about it. Yes. But then the deeper I got into it and the more I learned about Mary Ainsworth and the strange situation and all the science behind it, I became another, another part of me came online and it wasn't just about, you know, how can I, you know, grab these tools to beat myself more, articulately. Yes. Uh, I actually became intellectually curious. And that was a big pivot. <laughs> okay. I want to repeat that back to you because I know that that's landing with people listening. How, let me see if I can even do it. Like this shift away from how, how can I move past just learning these tools as a way to essentially like mentally flog myself even more? Yeah. Like look yeah. at, look at all the right way I'm supposed to be doing something air quotes and I'm clearly doing it all wrong. So I'm just going to use this, this great information to actually be even meaner to myself. And I know that there are parents out there who are deeply trying to understand attachment and trauma and neurobiology and being an attuned resonant parent. And there is this space where it's like, they've learned enough to criticize themselves more and more specifically. Yes. I'm not just a bad mom. I'm, these are all the ways I'm doing it wrong. Oh yes. So painful. So painful. It's like, yeah. you know, giving a terrorist the tools yeah. to your heart. Yes. Um, yeah. It's very, very painful. And so I did that for a while. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And then I became just so intrigued that this other thing came along and not forever. I mean, obviously it was, I was vacillating and I still do. Right. Um, But I started to get so hooked on the material and really want to know more um, that I became really excited and, um, and very quickly, honestly, started to get the sense that, you know, I may have been, I probably was an insecure kid. This is what I assumed. Um, but I started to gather that um, paying attention is key in, in establishing a secure attachment. Yeah. And I knew as much of a jerk as I was, I was really paying attention mm-hmm. to my daughter mm-hmm. because I, that's what I do. Yes. I'm an attention payer. <laughs> and, um, yes. and I, and I knew that that was true. Yes. And so I, I started to feel like, okay, maybe this thing is, you know, maybe I'll be okay. Maybe she'll be okay. Cause, and I also started to notice that my biggest concern was, is she going to be okay? Yeah. And then I started to realize, oh, okay, that can't be bad. Right. Yeah. That has to be something good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so there, there I went, you know, mm-hmm. so then I, I just started becoming more and more interested and went deeper and deeper into it and, um, and had to know, had to know how that thing works, how attachment works in a deeply human way. And yeah. it wasn't so much about me anymore. It was always about me in a way, but it, be, it became bigger than me. And I was willing to learn everything and to dive deep into Mary Ainsworth's crazy tough work on mothers and babies. I mean, this is a woman who never had a baby and I'm glad she never did because there's no way a mother would be able to look as unsparingly 
at maternal love and yeah. not love as she did. Yeah. I remember you saying that so clearly in your book that, and I had never thought about that before, you know, when thinking about Mary Ainsworth that, and which makes perfect sense that would she have been able to do this invaluable body of research, synthesize it, offer it up to us. I mean, like she's changed the trajectory of, I want to say everything, but I'm a little bit biased. Well, of science and developmental psychology for sure. Yeah. Well, and then just, I don't know, like I said, like humaning, you know, like what if we could all learn? What if everybody could learn about all of this? I mean, I just think everything could change. And to think that, how could she have done that if she had been actively mothering? Yeah. I mean, So you may have heard that the club is open today for just a few days for new members. And I wanted to share with you what this club member said about her time in the club. This member says, I was way more successful handling a stressful situation than I would have been a year ago. And it is truly a result of the material I've learned through Robin and the club. Oh my gosh, y'all. I love, love, love hearing that. There's no way that we can promise that the stress from your kids is going to change because we're just not in control of anybody else but ourselves. But what we can do is work to change how we respond to those stressors. And that's what we do over in the club. We are open for new members from now until the 28th of April, and we would love to have you. I think it would have been really tough. Not only would she yeah. be yes. um, and distracted. <laughs> Practical side. Um, but, you know, you protect yourself. Yes. So, yeah, I don't know if she could have done that. But I will yeah. say that um, I'm doing a free study group every mm-hmm. month, second mm-hmm. every month for anybody who wants to come and study her uh, maternal sensitivity skills. Yes because I am on a mission to share yeah. this information with people. And the really fun thing that we do is we look at it about you know what she's saying. This is like a 20 page document that is so, so intricate. And we look at everything she's saying about what happens between mothers and babies, but then we turn it to ourselves mm-hmm. so that we're talking about how are we taking care of ourselves? Mm-hmm. How are we loving yes. ourselves? How are we attuning to ourselves? Yes. Because that's what is, that's the, um, that's the, what's the, the premise or the, you know, that's the thing, the predicate, you know, that's the thing that you, we have to be able to do in order to be attuned to our babies. We have to understand attunement. And this is such a funny thing to try to explain to people. It's really hard to get that. And I tried so many metaphors, like, you know, you can't, um, you can't describe, um, you know, thirst until you've been thirsty. Right. You can't, um, you know, share what it feels like to be, you know, happy until you know yourself happiness. Yeah. And it's the same with attunement. We, we, and it's, it's ourselves, it's our, it's Mm -hmm. our bodies, our senses that have to be, you know, have have to wake up in order to attune to our children. Yes. So it's not some woo-woo, new-agey concept. Mm-mm. It is just the way we're built. Exactly. And exactly. It's just been so denied for so long. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's this isn't new. And, you know, Mary Ainsworth in that era didn't discover this. They are able to articulate it. And then now here we are however many 50, 60 plus years later, and we're understanding even so much more about the science and actual neurobiology about it. And again, we're not, sometimes it can feel like we're reinventing the wheel and maybe in a way we are, but also just giving more language and more understanding 
while also acknowledging like this has always existed, the truth that in order to truly see our children and and show up for them and attune to them and see them as individual people, first we had to have our own like attunement to ourselves first. Right. We have to we, in order to see our children, we have to have we have to see. Right. Yes. I mean, it's that basic. Yeah. You know, and many of us aren't seeing. We aren't right. feeling. So of course we're not going to feel what we need to feel for and with our children. Right. Because we're cut off. Right. From our feelings. Right. What do you think was helpful? So I know in my own journey as a mom, as well as like all of my parenting friends, and then of course my clinical work, that it's there's a moment of shifting from um I'm thinking all about my child and only focused on them and what they need to all of a sudden realizing like, Oh, Whoa, actually in order for me to do that really well, I have to pause and and get to know me also. Like I do, it's that moment where you're like, Oh shoot, parenting from the inside out. It really does. It really does. Oh, darn. Like, do you, do you have a, a, was there something that a moment where all of a sudden it was like, Oh shoot. Yeah. So like, I'm a play a role in this too. Or was it just more like it built and was organic. It's been pretty gradual for me. Yeah. Yeah. Things that I really like to talk to people about and and people seem to really, you know, get, you know, lit up by this Uh idea of of delight that Mary Ainsworth talks about mutual delight as thing that she sees between secure parents and adults. Yeah. I mean, secure babies and parents. And so, you know, I talk a lot about this, about how, you know, in order to delight in your child, you have to have some delight in your life. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a big, wholesome deal. Uh Um, You know, Azalea and I are really into Real Housewives. Uh Um, We love to take out and eat food and watch freak. And it's like, not a big deal. Right. Um, And I'm not saying that's enough. But it's pretty huge. Oh, yeah. And I just did a post today about how, um, like, do you delight, or, or is your child or your baby the apple of your eye, even when they're annoying? Yeah. You know, it could be tough, but that's really all that's necessary. Yep. <laughs> and they both are true. Just like you said, it's really tough and, and, and it's necessary. And it's also, I think also what I love about thinking about parent-child experiences is how, um, parallel at times it can be to the therapist's client experiences. Um, that what, you know, if I, I do so much work training therapists and kind of what you just said is like, I mean, that's therapy y'all. Like, can you be with your client in a way that anchors into like, you're being kind of a pain right now. And I still totally delight in you and think you're amazing because for the most part, people who wind up in the therapist's office, haven't had a lot of those experiences of somebody reflecting like both simultaneously to them, you know? Yeah. And so if we can do that for our clients, like it's almost like everything else is just a little bit of icing on the cake, but we have to be able to do it for ourselves, therapists and parents. Yes. I can be yes. so frustrated with myself and not just like collapse into this shame spiral, yeah. but like, still be like, okay, Bethany, like pull yourself together here. Like you can be frustrated that you, you know, ate that bowl of ice cream again, mm-hmm. even though you said five seconds earlier that you weren't going to do it Yeah, and, um, have some compassion for yourself. Right. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever told you because we, we have don't spend a lot of time talking about this type of stuff, but my colleague Marshall and I um, have, before the pandemic, we were doing a training for therapists that was about embodying the neurobiology of attachment. Like we created this training in a way that we really wanted to like evoke and bring into the room in the training, like the felt sense of these different streams of attachment. It was lovely and gorgeous and wonderful experience, but Marshall and I talk a ton about delight that we have always, and we co-taught and we would sit in a circle and we'd always sit right across from each other. And Marshall and I delight in each other very much. Like we have a really mutually 
like we just delight in each other relationship, but we would, we infuse into this work that we do with therapists that like, we think actually delight is probably the most underrated piece of all of this. Like we don't give enough attention to the concept of delight and what delight is and how delight is different than like being proud of somebody or being so pleased with what they've done. Right. And if we can bring an authentic experience of delighting in our clients, you know, like what that means and how that is, because therapists always want to know, like, what does doing attachment therapy mean? You know, like, can we articulate what attachment therapy is? I was like, well, I mean, sort of, yeah. One of it is that it's infused with delight because delight is this, you know, essential part of secure attachment. Yeah. And, but it's hard for people who don't experience delight in their lives. Absolutely. You know, and it's a selfish kind of experience. It's like when I, you know, I delight in Azalea so much. Like, I just think she's funny and cute. And I just, uh-huh. I, I'm not allowed to do that with her so much anymore. So I do it mm-hmm. with the dogs. Right. You know? And but it's it's my own pleasure. It's my delight. Right. right. And that feels like, oh, verboten. We're not supposed to just like get the giggles over these creatures who are just yeah. so freaking amazing. I know. But hey, I, I just I delight in them. And yeah. I also get really irritated and frustrated. And yes. you know, so I try to come back to that and as much as possible live in a delighting experience. I it's secular, it doesn't cost anything. It's um, you know, nonpartisan. <laughs> <laughs> so this morning on my set the, the spring and it's spring a little early around here because it's been warm and so the trees are budding. And every day I'm like, oh my gosh, look, the trees, the trees are budding. And my son's like kind of rolling his eyes at me. And I brought him to school this morning, which is unusual. We, we switched our roles today, my husband and I, and I brought him to school. And as we're just pulling out of our driveway, I'm like, look, the tree, like the buds are coming up on the tree so much more. And he's like, oh, mom. And we're just, we're having a playful banter. Right, and right. I was like, it's so important to like notice these just like moments of delight and joy that are just like life is hard it's important to notice these things and and he's and he was able to say to me he's like well that's why I go to the school that I go to because he goes to a charter school um we're so lucky to have him in this public charter school that's really honed in on his interests Mm. he was able to say like that's why I go to this school where you know he he basically he started describing like these moments of delight that oh, he has. And I, I did, I just had this moment of like, mm, okay. Yeah. Things are okay. Yeah. In this moment, things are, yeah. things no, are okay. Hey, that's, great. that's yeah. great. Yeah. It's orienting toward pleasure. Yes. Yes. We do struggle with that. Um, just culturally. Yeah. It's culturally, we have this Puritan thing. Yes. Um, women forget yes. about it. Exactly. You know, we're relegated to manis and petties, which I love. Yes, but me too. A deeper pleasure. And yeah. I'm not talking about like sensual pleasure, although that's right. great. I'm just talking right. about like enjoying our lives. Yes. Yes. And that it's not selfish. Exactly. And and a part of me is like, and who cares if it is? Right. What if it well, was? Part of it has to be selfish. Yeah. I mean, look, I yeah. I can say all this, but I'm not great at it. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm super driven and I... Yeah. I don't want to give people the impression that I'm somehow just like flitting around delighting. <laughs> I'm not. It's a practice. It's a practice. Yeah. And it's something that I'm, that I'm really excited to keep doing. And I feel extremely confident in, yeah. but it doesn't mean that I don't, you know, struggle and have a hard time and beat myself up and wish I were different and, you know, all the rest right. of those right. things. Yeah. Okay. So you found Mary Ainsworth, you found her research, yeah. you dove heavy into it. You learned all about, and I do, and I'll talk at the end. I'll make sure I put in the show notes, like all the cool things that you're doing. Cause I have the same, it's, it is interesting. I was like, I feel like we have some similar like interests. They just come out in the world in different ways. Cause I have a same thought of like, I want to get this information out to as many people in the whole wide world as possible. And that was is similar to you. Like what if everybody could understand like Mary Ainsworth work and then gosh, let me write this 
totally gorgeous book that's accessible and, you know, people can read. And that's one more way of getting, you know, this important information out into the world. But, but anyway, so you're diving into Mary Ainsworth, you're learning all about delight and all this kind of good stuff. Just tell us more, tell us more about that journey of, of what this was. <laughs> I'm jumping into the middle of this episode real quick to share with you what this club member has to say about their time in the club. They say, what an incredible community. It was my first Connection Co-Regulate session just now, and it was so incredible to share stories and experiences. Perhaps it's even more profound being across the world from each other. Oh, I totally agree that the fact that the club has members from all corners of the world really does make the experience more profound. I want the club to give you parenting tools, but more than that, I want the club to undo the sense of aloneness. I want the club to create community and togetherness. And by bringing to people all over the world, we're able to do just that. The club is open from now until Friday, April 28th, and we would love to have you. Oh my gosh. Um, well, it was so fun. Yes. I got to meet all these amazing people. Yes. Um, all the big wigs of the field yes. and, um, and do the actual training. Yeah. Um, I learned how to code the strange situation. Yeah. I learned how to code the adult attachment interview. Yeah. I, um, I learned, I got my own adult attachment interview done. Yes. Um, I did my mother's adult attachment interview. That was a hoot. My husband yeah. did it um, <laughs> and um, got that coded. Um, and I got to go to Mary's um, archives mm-hmm. and look at her letters. And I got to go and look at some material that nobody had ever even asked to see before. Um, so I was the first to look at, aside from Bob Marvin, her executor um, and mm. her protege, the first yes. to look at some of her notes from Uganda, Yeah, um, these incredible notes from Baltimore, you know, just like the whole thing. I, I have about 12 books in me about this, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, another lifetime. So, and, and I got, um, I have on my desktop here, the, uh, the whole Baltimore um, PDF of all the, the observations. It's, I think it's like 7,000 pages. Yeah. Uh, so I have been, and, and you know, and I got to go, my husband is, was just so incredibly supportive. I went and stayed in hotels. I went away. I, I just, you know, got up at three 30 in the morning. I was living, breathing this thing for yeah. 10 years Yeah. because it was, you know, because I'm not a clinician, I'm a mm-hmm. researcher and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, reasonably intelligent, but I'm not trained mm-hmm. in this stuff at all, which I think in a way made it easier because yeah. I'm trying to understand the story. Yeah. Um, so I didn't get bogged down in a lot of the details, although there are many, 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 many details mm-hmm. that I had to sift through. So it was very difficult. And learning how to even just look at the strange situation and understand what I was looking at took me a couple of years. I would think so because I feel like, and I ha- I am not trained in the strange situation and I'll, I'll say yet, but I'll say like, if I was going to show up and spend two weeks, I could, I, it's on my list, but I, I really am for at least the next three or four years, just really focused on like being home and being with my family and, and it's only a week. I'll, I'll, I'm young ish for having a teenager. And so I have, I just keep looking at like, I have so much life left after he goes to college or whatever he does. Anyway, I know that if I showed up to, you know, strange situation, you know, training, the AI training that like, it's intense. I mean, my colleagues have gone bright, talented, steeped in attachment colleagues, have gone to those and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of, and so when I imagine like kind of showing up in a little bit more of a blank slate way yeah, of like, I was just like, holy smokes. I feel like that would be like fire hose information. That's my style. Yeah. Clearly. Uh, 
yeah, that's that is definitely my style. <laughs> so I mean, I've really never been happier in my entire yeah. life, especially the AI training. It was yeah. a bliss state for me. Yeah. Um. Wow. To just be with Howard and Miriam Steele for that's two weeks. Right. I know. Yes. Of yeah, hardcore looking at these transcripts and under it's like revealing I know. The, the way a human mind works, uh, yeah, through language. It was yes, so profound and so fun. And then we'd go and I did it with my husband, and we um, went home, you know, every night and coded transcripts together, like in the pizza place. And oh my god, yes best thing ever <laughs> i just love that so much because i also i am not in generally speaking i wouldn't call myself like this overly curious person like i'm pretty content with things working and not being super curious about how exactly they work except for this stuff mm. except for i you know and so i feel i can get real like oh my gosh this is so exciting yeah. <laughs> oh, it really really yeah. really is yeah it so really i is. i feel like what i got part of what I got from your book and and tell me if this is accurate is, you know, you of course got so much out of this journey and this exploration and, and some of it feels like what you got was a lot of compassion for yourself. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. Just a human doing my human thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so is everybody else. Exactly. I think that's what I love so much about attachment. And then for me, I, the also like the added layer of really understanding like the neurobiology of attachment yeah. is like we like attachment adaptations are brilliant. Yes. Like we are all doing exactly what we needed to do to get our need met in the best way we knew how in that moment. And that is remarkable and amazing. And oh, we are amazing creatures. Yeah. Creatures. And yeah, it definitely made me feel more compassionate toward myself. And that there's And then I'm doing the best that I can. Yes. And, you know, I still have my days where I'm like, God, why can't I just be someone else? Mm -hmm. But, you know, and it is hard to believe that like this formation is enough. Yeah. But, you know, I'm 51. I'll be 52 in July. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, I'm not going to change much. We so, might as well decide. We might as well just decide we're enough. Like yeah, I know. Might I as know. well exactly. you know what bad thing will happen if we decide that. I know. Well, I've yeah. been writing a lot about this for because I've been getting heartbreaking letters from mothers who are just like yeah. pinning themselves yeah. against the wall. So I've been posting a lot mm. for that mother specifically, who of course I was and am. Yes. Um, and to just say that beating yourself up will not make you a better mom. Right. And that's patriarchy and that's violence begetting violence. The harsher we are to ourselves, the harsher the world is. And that includes the world for our children, you know, trying to keep ourselves in line by being violent with ourselves, talking to ourselves in these violent ways only creates more rigidity for everybody, including for our kids. So if we, if what crave is this, gentle, wonderful, you know, light-filled experience for our kids, we really have to just start cultivating that in our own hearts. Yes. And that, I mean, there's just no way around it. You know, it's like wanting to live in a blue house and just painting it green over and over. It's not going to work ever, ever, ever. If you want to live in a blue house, get some blue paint and (laughs) paint it blue. Yeah. I love and that metaphor. I just made it up. I love it because how many of us, well, first of all, my, the house where I did therapy in Austin, Texas with my very best friends and had like the best years of my life was a blue house. And so oh, we talk that. about the little blue house when we talk about like that stage of our lives. So I love that. But I also just love the metaphor. Like if you want to live in a blue house, you need paint it blue. And how many of us want to live in a blue house, but keep painting it green? Because we think we're not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're women who deserve to be treated terribly yeah. by ourselves. If no one else is going to do it, we will. We are up to the task. Yes. And if the world is treating us nicely, well, then they're wrong. And we know the truth. And we need to just keep painting that house red and dark and all the things we hate yeah. because we deserve it. Yeah. 
And as mothers, we deserve it extra because we've been given the privilege of these miracle children, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, it's so wrong and it's so effed up. And it's yeah. just, um, it's, and it's so clear. It just really, really happens this way. We really think these things. Yeah. And that we don't feel like, we're allowed to paint the house the color we want it to be. Well, we could go all the way back to the very beginning of our conversation because I also, I mean, I seriously remember reading your book and I'm like, our kids are almost exactly the same age. Like my kid just turned 15. So I can put yourself in history 15 years ago as you're writing about your daughter being a baby and being like, oh, I, I was like literally in the same place in my life reading Dr. Sears, like while I was pregnant, when he was born and trying to be like, okay, if that checklist, if someone could just give me that checklist and I will do it and I will, that will be great because I was already a therapist and I had really studied attachment theory in graduate school and really believed in attachment theory. And I thought therefore attachment parenting was the path to secure attachment. But how ironic is it that we, all of us you know, female identifying individuals yep. are reading the book, a book, a man wrote with a checklist in order to attempt to create an experience of secure attachment for our babies. When secure attachment is about attunement to self. Right. And they're then allow, you know, attunement to self, like opening up to attunement to our babies and reading their cues and responding to their cues as real humans right. in the moment, not referencing back to like a checklist right. that yeah. someone wrote. So well, like the, yeah. the irony about all that and how it steers us away from exactly what they say it's not going, you know, like the, in, the, the instincts and the attunement. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mamma mia. So yeah, that's, um, yes, it's all really, really difficult to wade through because of all these layers of ideas that we have about what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a female identified person, what it means to be, um, you know, happy. Yes. And yes. Um, loving, and we externalize so, so much. We focus so much on behaviors and not on experience. And attachment actually, you know, it's just so ironic. Like you said, it's the opposite of what Dr. Sears is talking about. It has nothing to do with your behaviors about whether you go to sleep or wear in a sling or even breastfeed. Right. And everything to do with how you feel about your own history, your own feelings, whether or not you feel period. And I was so baffled by that. Like I remember as somebody who's always studied attachment theory, like that's a piece of it. It's not about behaviors. It's about the implicit. It's about the way of being. And I'm like, that's the big Eddie sense to me. And so that was sort of my drive into it is like, I don't understand what you're talking about, but I believe you. And I must understand what you're talking about. And so that's kind of was my, I've got to got to figure this out both for my family. Like I wanted to show up in a different way for my family and also for my clients. I really believed my mentors who were like, if you want to work in the, you know, the field of attachment and you want to do this relationally infused therapy, like connecting with yourself, attuning to self, knowing your own story is a crucial piece of this. Knowing your story. And so like, I wasn't going to be a bad therapist. (laughs) So I had to just dive in and like really relentlessly figure this, figure this all out. Not that I figured it out. I don't, that's not what I mean to say at all, but I've, that's not a, a goal I have really to figure it all out. But, um, but I wanted to understand it better. I needed to grasp it better. I needed to be able to hold it better and look at it and say like, ah. Okay. And I think what I was looking for, truly, I wouldn't have known this when I was, you know, 25, 26, 27. What I was looking for was the compassion. I needed to to land in a place where I could give myself the permission to do something besides beat myself up. Right. Gosh. Yeah. No, that's a really big one. Whenever I have these conversations, I think of so many Instagram posts that I want to create. Yeah. Um, 
permission is really yes. permission granted. Yes. Boom. Period. Yeah. So I might do that. Yeah. Um, not that I am a person who should be able to grant anybody permission, but no. I was looking all over the place. I was looking everywhere for someone to grant me permission. Right. And, um, you know, so for the few people who might listen to me, permission granted. Yes. You can yourself. Mm-hmm. You can be happy. You mm-hmm. can allow yourself to relax. Mm-hmm. You can take a nap. You can watch TV. You can, you know, eat whatever the heck you want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Kids are going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I want people to know where they can find all the awesome stuff you're putting onto the world. So certainly that's on Instagram. I see you active on Instagram. I'll put all these links down in the show notes so people can just go and click on them, but it's just Bethany Saltman on Instagram, right? Yeah. It's Bethany underscore Saltman. Okay, great. Bethany underscore Saltman on Instagram. And then your website is bethanysaltman.com. Okay. Perfect. And all my stuff there, I, that my, the paperback of the book is coming out in April. So that's fun. Yes. You can find that on the website, the audio book, how to work with me, how to do the study group, all the fun, all the fun things. Yes. So much fun stuff. Again, this kind of shared you know, passion for how do we get this information out into the world? And so I want to tell everybody listening to take advantage of it. That's what you want. So people need to go and receive what you're offering. Yes, please, please. (laughs) So much fun. These, these study groups, I hope you can come to one. You would freaking love it. I would love to. I would love to. I uh, have to get through this current season of my life. That would open up a little bit of time, but yeah. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much for your time, for your generosity with me, with my listeners. And thank you for your tenacity. Like, thank you for what you did to bring to the world something like I am. People consider me, you know, like an expert or a specialist in the field of attachment. And I learned a ton about Mary Ainsworth from your book. So thank you for just telling her story, a really important, amazing story and just giving voice to that. I know I can imagine she would feel quite delighted in that. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that and for sharing this all with your listeners and all the work that you do, Miss. And um, yeah, no, we're fighting the good fight. We are. All right. Thank you. You. Bye. Oh man. I told you that would be lovely. When you're finished with today's podcast, go grab Bethany's book from your local bookstore. It is just so good. Thank you for taking the time to connect with me today and for caring for kids impacted by trauma. I am so, so, so grateful for you. If you're new here, Definitely subscribe to this podcast in your podcast player, and then head over to robingobel.com slash masterclass, where you can watch that free three-part video series on what behavior really is and how to change it. Please take a moment to share this podcast with your colleagues, friends, grandparents, teachers, everyone. The sooner the whole world understands the neurobiology of being relationally, socially, and behaviorally human, the sooner our kids will live in a world that sees them for who they really are. Completely amazing, sometimes, maybe even a lot of the time, struggling. Thank you for tuning in today, and I will see you next time. Are you ending this episode with maybe a big sigh of relief? Like, yes, finally, someone gets me and my kids but also maybe a sense of like, okay, but now what? All right, y'all, I've got lots of possible now what's. If you want to connect with me directly, like pick my brain, have access to me almost every day, not to mention hundreds of other parents from around the world who totally get what it's like to be you, then you're going to want to join us in the club. We have monthly live events, including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, 
a huge video library with something like 80 or 90 videos, plus transcripts and certificates of completion. Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically. So go check robingobel.com slash the club. If we aren't open now, you can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingobel.com slash the club. Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows raising kids with big baffling behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to robingobel.com slash beingwith, read all about it. And if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too. Now, if you just maybe need a little extra connection and co-regulation, but don't feel like you need to join the club, then you can just keep listening to my podcast. Or you could go subscribe to my Start Here podcast, and that'll give you 10 episodes in order that will take you through cultivating a great foundation of parenting with regulation, connection, and felt safety. That's at robingobel.com slash start here. You have to go there. You can't just find it in your podcast app. Or you could get yourself a copy of Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, paper book, audio book, ebook. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Or you could just head to my website download one of my very many free resources. I keep them all really easy to access at robingobel.com slash free resources. Webinars, masterclasses, ebooks, infographics, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what of those things could be supportive of you or maybe to the other adults in your life who are helping support you and your child. There are just so many ways that you and I could be more connected and you can get the amount of co-regulation and support that you need. If it feels like a lot to remember, all you have to do is go to robingobel.com and take your time clicking around, seeing what I got there. I am so, so glad you and I are connected now and I can't wait to be with you again soon in our next episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye, y'all.